Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Wildcast. I'm joined once more by Tom and Joe. He screwed this up last week. So, Joe, how are you? I'm all right, thanks. It's nice of Tom to give me permission to actually talk this week. And um, yeah, what's not to like about another four point weekend? Hey, you didn't mention the fact that we were top of the league. Yeah, I mean, Tom, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. As Joe said, four point weekend, can't complain. Top of the league, can't complain. It's December, so coming towards Christmas, can't complain. Advent calendars are out. Um, I was just waiting for you to say can't complain again. I think that was three times in 20. Can't complain. Yeah, yeah, can't complain. That's the, that, could be the, that could be the name of this week's episode. Can't complain. There you go. Tom Graham, everybody, living in his new flat as an adult, still has an advent calendar. Can't complain. <laughs> exactly. But you're right. But he'll try. Yeah, you're right, Tom. Speaking of things that we uh, we can't complain about, let's let's throw back to last weekend and Saturday night overtime victory against the Peterborough Phantoms at the Link Centre. Uh, Tom, your thoughts on the overtime win? Um, yeah, I'm not going to say it, but no, it was. You a, can't complain. We know yeah, exactly. Can't complain. No. Um, I mean, it was a bit of a slow start. I think we could say for the Cats first period probably weren't doing kind of all the things, good things that we've been seeing from this team in the last kind of six weeks, two months, however long, you know, this kind of run's been. Um, felt, kind of think Aaron said it well in his interview after the game, we were kind of on our heels a bit in the first period. We weren't kind of winning those battles for the puck. Peterborough were kind of winning the 50-50 pucks and playing the game their way and probably deserved that 2-1 lead at the end of the first. Um and it was two goals that the Cats wouldn't have wanted to give up. You know, a shorthanded goal to a defenceman is never a great, never a great one to give up. Then you equalise and immediately give up a breakaway to the import. Again, a guy like Alex Padalek don't want to give him the freedom of the zone on a breakaway. Um, but yeah, and then you concede again, and it's probably one the third goal we concede at the beginning of the second. It's probably one, probably the only one of the five that. Skinsey would have really wanted back. It kind of did feel like it went through him a bit. But after that, we kind of got going, got going. And we see it's what we've seen from the Wildcats a little bit in the last few weeks is when we have had slow starts against Milton Keynes, for example, we've come back in the second and third and really kind of gone through the gears. And we did that again. Um, obviously, you know, what can you say? Emil Speck, Patrick, and Again, another thing that Aaron says, and I know we talked about it before we started recording, two goals which weren't, you know, kind of snipes um, to start that. You know, two goals where he went into the dirty airs, the eyes picked up rebounds, picked up tappings. And when you've got the shot that he shows on the game winner in overtime, and you've got him scoring tappings and tippings and those sort of goals, yeah, it's kind of how do you defend that? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was then a solid performance and obviously game, you can see the goal 15 seconds to go and you think, oh, they've got the momentum going into overtime, but then get a bit fortuitous, get the power play in overtime and it kind of, during that power play, it just felt a, ma- a matter of when, not if. You know, we were creating so many chances in that four and three and Puck was coming over to Remmel for the one-timers and Puck was coming over to Remmel for the one-timers and you think, yeah, one of these is going in and that's what happened, and I don't think Jordan Marr really had a chance on it. 
So yeah, I mean, two points to two points. It probably wasn't the way the Cats would have wanted to get the two points on a home ice, but but again, yeah, you've got to take the wins. Yeah, and uh, Joe, Joe, it kept the the point streak rolling, which I think stretches back now until apart from the first league game of the C- league cup game of the season. Um, I know you've seen the overtime winner. Your thoughts on that? How how many times have I, in particular? And you guys also have been on the show and said, why don't we just line Emil Svek up in the Ovechkin spot and have him wind one up? And the first time it happens, and the video, which I believe was Casey Gallagher's posted online, it sounds like a gunshot went off. We've been saying this for months. And the first time he does it, he goes screaming past Jordan Marr. I think what we should do is we should make Tom go in goal and face one of those. Yeah. Just see what happens. I mean, I know what happens. I die. <laughs> if I end up in that with puck, <laughs> assuming, it hit, assuming it hits me. If it, it either goes in net or it hits me and I end up going through the net. So... Knowing our luck, it would be the one where he absolutely nails it off the crossbar or something. It just... Yeah. <laughs> and then you wonder why does the puddle increase. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's... um. It's a sign of a good team when you can win games ugly like that. I mean, let's face it, six, seven weeks ago, the Phantoms weren't exactly doing much. They were turning wheels over. They've come in to the link with a bit of form and jumped out in front, like Tom said, 2-1 up. Usually, in previous years, where we've all been at games against the Phantoms, you go 2-1 down in the first period, and that's all right. Right, that's it. That's that done. Uh, See you next month, guys, kind of thing. So to come back, particularly in the fashion they've done, was impressive. And honestly, it was nice to see, as Tom said, like players all chipping in and scoring gritty goals as well as the flashy ones in particular as well. Um, so you can't say no to a lot of scoring coming from the second line. Obviously, Svech and Bebris all both turned up. I think it was eight points between the two of them Saturday night, something like that, mm-hmm. three and two and three assists. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Jones got a goal as well and an assist. And J- Jones was one, so yeah, you got 10 points from that line in one night, which it's just nice to see. Um, the Phantoms, by everything I've seen from it, came to play the same game that they have done for the last few years, which is your typical Slava Kulikov hockey. And as per usual, it always seems to nearly catch us out or it does cut, catch us out. It's just one of those things we never really seem to adapt to. So it's nice to actually see us uh, get one over on them for a change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely was. And like you guys said, I think to to be 2-1 and then 3-1 down, kind of coming up to about halfway through that game, I think there was a few of us in the crowd thinking maybe today's the day that the, the streak not, stops and, you know, we come away from here thinking, damn, uh, that's another one that's got away from us. But you know what? Boys were superb in the second half of that game on Saturday. Played really well. Uh, again, the overtime winners out there. Uh, on the Cats Facebook page, if you haven't already seen it, but I'm sure everybody has by the time we've recorded this. And yeah, just just crazy. Just an absolute huge slap shot. I don't think Jordan Maher stood a chance on that one, to be honest. Um, so then Sunday comes around. There's, well, every weather condition under the sun, I think, came down on, on Sunday between Swindon and Sheffield at some point. We had fog, snow, ice, rain, wind and sun. Um Huge game, we said it was going to be, and a massive 3-0 win on the road for the boys, which took us to the top of the table. I'm going to open the floor up and say either one of you go on this one. 
Yeah, I mean, as you say, it was it was snowy, it was cold, it was horrible. The conditions meant the rink was nigh on empty because I understandably a lot of Sheffield fans and we know that they don't necessarily fill that rink at the best of times. It's a relatively big arena for them. They obviously understand we didn't fancy trying their luck with cars or public transport or whatever. And yeah, it did have a bit of a weird feel to it. It felt very quiet, very empty. You know, there was, I don't know how many people there were there, but it can't be more than maybe 300 in the rink. And I would say if that, like, that felt that, like the closest... I've probably felt since the streaming series of playing a game behind closed doors. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you the rest. Yeah. Yeah, understandably so. It was, you know, for those who who weren't there, it was proper snowfall up until face off. And yeah, we but we got there, we got the game on, and it was a superb, superb road game from the Wildcats. Um you don't necessarily not in, I see Joe making making kind of a, a face on it. And yeah, we gave up 37 shots and lots of power plays, but it was more the way that we managed that situation. And a lot of those shots we kept to the outside. We managed to shut down the Steel Dogs incredibly dangerous top line for um, the night. And it, yeah, it felt there were times in the third period in particular where we were killing quite a lot of penalties and it felt we were getting a bit scrambly and. Renny Marr had to come in and make some huge saves in that third period. There was one penalty kill where he made three or four unbelievable glove saves on, on in a row. And you think, they're going to score in a minute. And I know Joe messaged to me during that game, during that run of pen, penalties we were killing and said, that they're going to score one of these in a minute and it's going to be 1-1. But we held firm and, yeah, um, got, the, got, got the kind of second goal bit out of nothing. Um, because he kind of just hard work on the blue, on their blue line and got left alone because understandably five minutes to go in a one goal game we weren't throwing everyone forwards on a power play we were thinking well don't give don't do don't give up a shorthanded goal after all that work killing those penalties but you know a bit of hard work and gets through on goal and puts it away and obviously Emil scored again another big slap shot on the power play although this one was more wasn't so much Yobi's spot, it was more skating into the zone and getting a flat shot. But yeah, it was a really kind of professional job done. And yeah, I mean, to go into a top top of the league side, regardless of who that top of the league side is, and regardless of the, you know, the amount of fans or the conditions or whatever, yeah, it's an impressive, it's an impressive um display and yeah, puts us top of the league, which is great. Uh Joe, that really was a game for the special teams, wasn't it, on Sunday? Yeah. Um Tom Saucy says, perfect, like, no game where you're taking nine power plays and no. <laughs> kills. I, I, I'd argue it wasn't, wasn't perfect necessarily. No, Very, no. Not I didn't perfect. say perfect. I didn't say perfect. I said it was an excellent kind of road effort, but I wouldn't, there were definitely things that you, you'd look back on and say, maybe don't do that again, boys. I think the, the point you said when I was saying to you, it's like, they're going to score in a minute, was the second five on three we gave up. Yeah. And you're just like, you're even you're watching at home, just following along, and you're just there going, yeah, they're going to score in a minute. They're going to score. There's no way you get away with giving up two five-on-threes, no matter how long they are. They're not expecting a team that has... Sorry, I was going to say, they're not, not expecting a team that has Jason Hewitt, Matt Bissonnette, Ben Morgan, insert name here, just 
hovering round to so, score. What I was going to say was what made that 5-1-3, if it's the right one I'm thinking of, even more difficult was the fact that two the two guys in the bin, I think, were Chris Jones and Floyd Taylor. So the only guy yeah. that was on the ice to take a draw was Aaron. So he played pretty much the entire 5-1-3 period because Rennie kept freezing the thing. And it just kind of and felt like we didn't have anyone else to take a draw. Bully wasn't playing. The other two mm-hmm. were in. And it's kind of like, it kind of felt like all we were doing was rotating the D-man. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, like, I like to think that's one of those things where you get Floyd and CJ at the box and Aaron just pulls them over on the bench and goes, look, lads. <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> just, it did feel just, like that. It did yeah, feel like, like we've got no face off, guys. Please. Even, and then even after we scored this second goal, we then immediately took another penalty. And you think, that even, was with, the four, even with four thing. minutes to go, they could suddenly make this a one-goal game again. And you're thinking, oh my goodness. Although, yeah, and I don't think we can. You can't sit there and moan about the officiating. I think it was officiated quite tightly, and there were a couple of calls that I think the cats probably weren't too happy with. But you get that swings and roundabouts, and you get them going the other way over the course of a season. So you can't really complain too much, too much about it. But yeah, certainly it was a bit of hearts and mouths, particularly in the third. I, I felt it was a bit of hearts and mouths. Um, first and second, I actually thought we did a really good job of keeping them to the perimeter. I didn't ever feel like in those two periods that Rennie was being overly tested. I don't know what Ben's view on that one is, but. No, I, I agree. I thought, like you said, the first couple of periods, yes, we were only leading by a goal, but it just seemed to feel like a lot more comfortable than it did in the third. And I don't know if that's because of the way the teams were playing or the fact that the clock was counting down and you didn't think, oh, at least there's another period, another two periods after this. It was kind of getting to that point of it's now or never. And, and yeah, but anything else you picked up from the game, Joe? Anytime you can come out with... 50% on the power play and 100% on a penalty kill, you get on the bus and you go home happy, especially when it comes with a 3-0 win. But we can't expect to have four more games against Sheffield like that. Don't get me wrong, the fact that I said it's a 3-0 win, that I'd like to think that puts the game our place in October out of the back of the heads now, because in that first game, they weren't very good. Every shot was in Zamozdra's chest. This game, they obviously clearly learned from that. They knew what they had to change. They knew what they had to do differently, and they did it. I'd just, I'd like to see the penalties a bit lower next time because I don't think you think to go to Ice Sheffield on a four o'clock face-off start on a Sunday and take that many penalties and expect to be a perfect nine for nine again. No, I think that is something that isn't going to happen all that often, regardless of where you go. Even at the link, you know, to be. To be hundred percent on a on a penalty kill, that that's commonish at our level of hockey. But when you're nearly in double figures and the minors you're taking, including two five on threes against the team that at the time of the game would were, well they would joint top of the league with us. I think uh, and number one power play and the number one power play. It, it kind of felt like like Tom said and you said to Tom Joe. Uh, it felt like one was going to come. And that's not necessarily a, a fault of the boys. We put, we killed it well. It just felt like it, it couldn't keep going. Uh, and I'm kind of glad that... It's, it's, it's one of those, please don't do that again. Please. Yes. It's, the, it's the element of we were playing with fire and fortunately we didn't get burned. You know, it really felt like we were going to. And yeah, let's, let's, not, let's maybe not give them as many power play chances when we play them you know, the rest of the season. 
yeah and before i say uh joe let's talk about the other results from last weekend uh boys we're uh top of the league going into december that's 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 a good spot to be in yeah uh, yeah absolutely i mean we all know being top of the league in december isn't the be all and end all you know we look at it's you know it's a cliche that it's you know too early to tell and you've got to take it a game at a time and all that and you look at when we won the title in 1819 or whatever it was. Um, and we weren't top of the league in December. We were, well, in some some teams, minds off the pace and out of it, but we came back. So obviously it's a long way to go, but it's always great to be, it's great for the fans and the you know, morale to be top of the league and, you know, have that you know, momentum and have it in your have position, league position in your own hands. But equally, there's a hell of a long way to go. We've got, we're only a quarter of the way into the regular season and we now have a team with a target on our backs. So, yeah, but it's, it's, you'd rather be top than bottom at this point. So, they're the points in the bag you can't lose, AJ. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still not, I'm still refusing to acknowledge us as being top of the league because if I do, it'll all go peak tongue. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, it's a superstitious person at the best of times, but it's one of those things that. It's like, yeah, let's take a screenshot of this one because I'll never see it again. <laughs> but it's it's like Tom said, you're a quarter away from the season. It's not a case. Let's get ahead of ourselves. And I know, obviously, from the video you took on Sunday, it was we are number one and all of that. But yes, it's fun in November, but it's the kind of thing that comes to back to in the backside if oh. by March we're on a cold streak. and. 100%. It, it means nothing unless but, we're in that spot on the last game of the season, put it that way. Yeah, but the thing is, you've got a game in hand on Sheffield now. Telford are on the same amount of games. There's a little cushion, mainly because we're not losing in 60 minutes. We're taking it to overtime and getting something out of it. Um, it's, it's like Tom said, it's all momentum. There are a few teams in the league now that are starting to get traction going. and We've just got to keep going. It's it's harder this year than any year than will for teams to bring in ringers, as it were. Like, there's no real, you know, hero coming over the mountain for some of these teams to save them. It's a case of we just have to keep doing what we're doing and hoping that this hot streak that they've been on of, is it 10 games in their own out of the way, like I said, without dropping a point. It's. It might be 12. I think we've played. Might be 12. Yes, 12. Sorry, it's 12 now, isn't it? Sheffield. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first game. So we've got to just got to hope that this point streak goes for as long as it can because it will end. This this is ice hockey. We're not the Streatham Redhawks. These streaks do come to an end at some point. We are going to have. We are going to lose in regulation. We are going to have a bad run at some point this season and we've just got to get the points in the bag while we can don't we usually it's around Christmas that's why I don't particularly like Christmas and watching <laughs> what could go wrong uh, Christmas lots of games cup final it'll be fine it'll be fine yeah it'll be fine I keep telling myself uh, while, while crying in the corner <laughs> rocking back and forth on his chair realising be- I don't get a Christmas break I don't get to yeah, I did look at the fixtures yesterday and think, oh my God, how many days am I off work and how many days am I at a rink? But it is what it is. Oh, um, it's, it's nice having a month off over Christmas. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Well, as you've got a month off over Christmas, why don't you take us around the leagues from last weekend? 
what, what do we want to do leagues? Actually, no. Yeah, we'll do leagues first, and then we'll come on to the absolute cavalcade of news. Well, I was going to say actually for the for those of you who do listen week in week out, um, you'll know that the little whiteboard that sits behind Joe, I believe, currently had a two on it. That's safe to say that's back to a zero. Might even be in minus. I haven't decided yet. Yeah, let's, let's, um... go for the, let's go for the results and then uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Right, we'll go to Friday night. The Sheffield Steelers started their weekend, I don't want to say badly, because it was only a 2-1 loss to Leeds nights. But when you think about it, it's 120 minutes of hockey, one goal. Uh, mind you, they've only conceded five. All hail the demo god. Uh, all the goals came in the last 10 minutes. The two for Leeds Knights both scored from Adam Barnes at 53-33 and 56-44 before a solitary goal back from Jason Hewitt with one minute and one second left on the clock. Sam Gospel making his return to the lineup with 33 saves on the night and 971 save percentage in these 60 minutes. Um, I'll take the time now to say it. Demetrius Mosdra, two games where you have a 90% save percentage or higher and lose. Hockey's horrible sometimes. I think we've both seen goalies in recent years have save percentages way, way, way lower than that and win. Nodding, perfect there for an audio show. Well done, lads, as always. Bees 5, Telford 2. I didn't say it this week, I learned. Uh, This one, bit of an upset. Um, The Bees obviously coming out and actually beating a team for a change. I know that sounds really horrible. It's almost as if they had a ringer in. Hang on, who's this Ivan Antonov bloke? Yes, they called on old B, old Bison, Vanya Antonov from the Stretton Redhawks, because Stretton didn't have a game this weekend, to play one-off game for the Bees. He came and got two plus one. It's almost as if he's really good at hockey. Yes, before I know, someone's going to have a go at us. I know he's trained to be a doctor, but he was supposed to have a job last year. That one came, th- fell through, and now he's back destroying the South. Uh, a power play goal from James Galatz was the game winner at 27.59. Uh, I would like to bring you the goalie stats, but as David Strover, who I know listens to the show, saw on the game sheets, the bees messed up. There's only shots on goal for two periods, and I know he's kind of been nice and said that there was a crash. It's signed off, and there's no more live update at 51. They just messed up. So we've only got goalie stats for 40 minutes, which means Brad Day goes down as conceding three on 27 shots, when in actual fact, he conceded five on question mark, which I think is what I've put it down as to the third period. Um, one video that went round everywhere, sun, Saturday night, Sunday morning, was a fight between Andy McKinney and Mikey Power, with people saying it was the fight of the year. I must have watched a different fight, because the first minute of that is them both missing each other. Seriously, go back and watch it. They're throwing punches and missing. How is that fight of the year? That being said, if you want to go watch fighting, UFC's on on a Saturday night. Don't go to hockey. That's going to get me cancelled. <laughs> Bison 2, MK Lightning 4. The start of yet another bad week for the Bison. Sorry, guys. Uh, Aidan Doughty and Liam Morris, the goal scorers for the Bison. Four by four individual scorers for the Lightning. Sam Talbot, Sean Norris, Edgar Landsbergs with his first of the year in the league and Bobby Chamberlain. Uh, I know a friend of all of us, Anthony Russell, has said that the game was infuriating. The Bison has spent most of the time trying to kill Sean Norris and, and Sam Talbot. Um, seems really petty. Uh, Norris and Talbot obviously left the Bison last year. They moved to MK. Moral of the story is, guys, if you're going to offer players contracts, make sure they send them back with signatures. 
Uh, Matt Smittle, a player who Lightning fans have a hate-hate relationship, I think it's safe to say, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like from um, the comments about Matt Smittle after the game against Swindon, I think a couple of weeks ago from MK fans, versus the comments from MK fans about Matt Smittle after the game on Saturday in Basingstoke. Um, I feel like, yeah, I'm not going to use the word, um, you know, changeable or anything like that. But I think opinions, they may be a bit hasty on writing Smiths off after one, after a couple of poor games when he'd obviously been carrying injuries and he's now back. Yep, uh, 38 saves, a 9.50 save percentage on the night. Um, I've always liked him. He was brilliant with Slad the last few years and he was carrying an injury for the start of the season, as Tom said. Um, it's pretty hard to play goalie when you've got a pulled groin. I uh, don't know if anybody's tried that. It's not fun. Leeds Knights 2, Raiders Ice Club 3 in overtime, although another brilliant one if you look on the game sheet. It says it's still 1-1. Uh, <laughs> I love doing fixtures live. It's brilliant. Overtime game winner from Dan Scott. Bang, and he makes it disappear. Uh, goals also come from Aaron Connolly and James Hounson for the Raiders. Two assists on his return to, in, return to the Raiders side for Lukas Sladkowski. Um, again, Leeds faltering. A solid match from Ethan James. 41 saves, 932 save percentage. Sam Gospel, again, as we said it with Dimmy, picks up a loss with 37 saves and a 925 save percentage. Oof. Sunday, I'm going to leave that one till last. Uh, Peter Phantoms 4, Raiders 2. Ben's laughing because he knows what game I'm looking at. <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, the Phantoms bounce back from Saturday night thanks to goals from Glenn Billing, Duncan Spears, Scott Robson and Alice Padlek. Uh, one thing we did obviously forget to mention with the Phantoms on Saturday and again with Sunday, uh, there was no Morgan Clark Pizzo, no Will Weldon, no Corey McEwen. <laughs> They're missing essentially their top line and... Yeah, they did all right on Saturday, and they were, they got the win on Sunday. Um, not a lot more I could really say about that. Three points from Alex, the ageless Alice Padlek, I feel I should say at this point. Jordan Marbounce is back with a 9.39 save percentage. Two goals on 33 shots. Raiders' goals are coming from Sean Barry and Jake Sylvester. Uh, Telford get revenge on Sunday. They win 5-2 against the Bees. Three-point night for Jack Hopkins and Andy McKinney after his fight in air quotes last the night before they get a game and goal from scott mckenzie on the power play as usual and jonathan weather with an empty netter i believe it's something like this it's 24th consecutive season he scored a goal now for weather it's insane didn't i see something on twitter to say he's also the last active player from the durham wasps to either play or get a point it's just nuts yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, I said Alice Padlet was ages. Jonathan Weaver's a vampire. Um, the B's goals come from Nicholas Ornmarker and Dominic Goodbye. It's interesting how the imports score the goals. That's coming soon. <laughs> what are the bees doing? And finally, we said the Bison's weekend was bad. This is the part where it got worse. MK Lightning ate the Basingstoke Bison three, ruining the joke by one goal. Thanks, Ashley Tate. Your power play goal, five minutes of time, ruined everyone's fun for Monday morning. Uh, Hat-trick from Sam Talbot, three assists from Sean Norris, three assists from Bobby Chamberlain, 3.9 for Liam Stewart, including a penalty shot goal on Alex Betham, who, when your confidence is down as a goalie, it makes everything worse. And Alex Betham gave eight goals on 49 shots for an 8.36 save percentage. 
Um, obviously, we did our kind of we we did our we did our um, dissection of the bison a couple of weeks ago and received at least some positive comments on it. But there is a point here with the bison that this team should not be as bad as they are when you look down the list of names they've got. So that something is going on. And I know they've spent a weekend where they've just tried to murder Sam Talbot and Sean Norris, and this is what you get. But something has to change, surely, at this point. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but I'm looking at a certain import they picked up from the French Second League who scored, was it six points in 16 games now or something like that across two tournaments? Something's got to give here. I completely appreciate that getting permits and visas and stuff off imports is going to be difficult, but that's that's got to be a place you look at an upgrade, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it shows how good, I mean, to bring this back to Swindon for a second, it shows how good a bit of recruitment Emil Speck has been, because this is not the old days of EPL where you could change imports almost on a weekly basis if you wanted to. You know, we literally did have some scenarios where one guy is gone and the next guy has been in by the next weekend. It's hard to replace an import. And if you get your recruitment wrong, this is exactly what happens. And I don't want to pile in on Basingstoke every week. I don't want to pile in on Philip Martinek because, you know, I don't know the guy. He's new in the country. It takes time for imports to get going, but you've got to be providing more than he is doing now. And I really didn't notice him the two games, the week or the three games that we've played against Basel so this year. And that's the worrying thing. I, again, the two games, I don't think he played the first game. I, don't oh, know I was just up. about to say, to be fair to the guy, it's yeah. difficult to notice him when he stood in the stands for the first one. Yeah, he didn't play the first game. He only just arrived. But the other two games, he just hasn't offered a lot in those games. And as an, as, as, as an import, you've got to be doing more, particularly when your team is struggling, you, you know, people are looking at you to be the guy who picks them up. And so far, he hasn't done that. And uh, MK have been on a roll at the moment, and they're, they're, they're one of the form teams in the league. So it's not necessarily a surprise to see them beating Bays. And so I think it was a surprise no, it's, it's, to see it's, them by that much. It's one of those things. It's the, it's the perfect storm of a hot team meeting a team that his confidence is so in the mud that it, that's just what happened. I mean... When was the last time? I mean, let's. I've. I know Ben. Obviously, Tom, you've been following it for a couple of years longer than I have, but I don't recall ever seeing a Bison team bottom of the league. Well, well I think. Did I think our friend post it's the first time since they've been in the Elite League. Yeah, I think it's the first time since their last year in the Elite League when they were running around with nine players or something, whatever it was, for most of the season. You know, it's not it's not a good situation at the moment. And again, we all know that teams will run through bad runs of form, but you've got to think something's going to change there. Something's going to have to change there. I will say this again in defence of Basingstoke. They have scored more goals than the Leeds Knights, the Raiders and the Steel Dogs in 14 games so far. The problem is they've given up 14 more than the next closest. 70 goals against in 14 games. So something is wrong with... We know Meta mostly is low on form. Dwee got injured when he was just about to get his shot. Something isn't working with that defensive unit. We pointed it out two weeks ago that there just seem to be puck magnets right now. They just follow everything and forget their assignments. Something needs to change at that back end I was just to help them out. Off the top of your head, what's that goals against average? 17-14? and 14. <laughs> uh, 128. Uh, it's uh, exactly five. 
Yeah, you can't win. You can't win conceding five goals a game. That's that's unreal. I mean, also, I think we just do need to mention that there is your problem. We do need to mention the other result that has put them in sole possession of last place in the league, and that is the bees getting that breaking out of their slump and getting the win against Telford, which is a huge result for them on home ice. Um, to, beating Telford is not an easy challenge, and I know again the Tigers haven't maybe been quite as good this year as they were last time, but they get in there. Six, seven, but, eight, whatever it was, games in a row to come out and win five-two against Telford is a big result for them. Yeah, I don't think there's a question. The bees had a. I know we said they lost on Sunday, but even just beating Telford in one game is a big weekend, taking two points off the Tigers for them. Uh, I'd say obviously a few other results went away. The fact Leeds didn't beat the Raiders, unfortunately, the Raiders do get the points. Um, the table starting to break away into little groups. Yeah. Um, and the table obviously stands because I haven't said it yet. Swindon top of the league on 22 points. The Sheffield Steel Dogs are second on 20. The MK Lightning move up into third on 18. Telford Tigers are fourth on 17. And then the next group of it would be the Phantoms on 13. Raiders and the Knights are on 11. And the Bees on 8 with the Bison, the strongest team in the league, propping everyone else up on 6. I mean, I, I suppose the one clever comfort from that for Bays and Oak is you look at where Peterborough are now and you look at where they were after five, six games of the regular season, where I think they lost their first five in a row or something like that, didn't they? Um, I can't remember how many. Six. Six, six in a row. They lost six in a row to start the season, and now they're kind of back up into that mid-table group. So there is there is hope for Pace and Stoke, but they need to get rolling at some point. And well, some point. All they have to do is bring in Nathan Salem, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but whether it's bring someone in or... You know, just change something. You need they need to get rolling at some point soon. They do. Should we move on to the other stuff? Because we could be here all night for this bit. I was going to say yeah. I can think of three or four things. So uh, let's go to the news. Right. Let's start with the uh, as we record this, the most recent one. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday night this week because none of us were available for Monday and Tuesday, which means we get bonus news, which is Mikey Power has quit the bees. So his last real thing to give to the Bees was a terrible fight against Andy McKinney, and now he's quit. I haven't seen a press release because I've been busy for most of the afternoon about it. Tom and Ben, by the looks of it, have. I have seen um, the press release, and I believe the press release, without going to my phone, reads, this evening the Bees Ice Hockey Club can confirm that Mikey Power has left the club. End press release. It's yeah, Mikey decided to move on and leave an immediate effect club with the club's thanks and best wishes. So it's Power's decision to go, whether that's a personal decision because of other commitments outside of hockey. I don't know whether he's been signed by another club. I don't know, but I'm sure we'll find out in the fullness of time on that one. But it's a huge loss. Very little information in that press release. It's a big loss to the Bees because he's been in pretty good form all year. Uh, so. 13 points in 22 games. He was in the top five for scoring for the Bees this year. And of course, he's a Brit and we know how difficult they are to replace. Yeah. Dare I I say it, could he be wearing green by this time next week? Quite possibly. I mean, it's one club that you would think might be in on him and maybe a couple of others as well, but certainly that's one potential place he might be going. Yeah. Uh, so that was the that was the most recent one. Um, again, that really seems like a, I'm sorry. I'm just it's 
processing through my head that press release, I was thinking, wow, that's another really salty press release from this. <laughs> they seem to do that a lot all the time. Zach Milton got something similar, I recall, when he left the Amazing Stoke. At least on this one, at least on this one, they did give it their, their best wishes and thanks. I mean, some clubs and some press releases haven't even had that over the last couple of years. So. The issue I have with it is if it's only going to be that short, you can fit that in a social media post. Instead yeah. on the website. <laughs> That's within the Twitter limit, guys. Come on. Yeah. That's less than 240 characters. Come on. Uh, in fun, well, I say fun. It seems to be a recurring thing. Yes, Ben. Is it worth also just mentioning the other little bit of news that came out this morning? Which one would that be? Because I probably missed it. Tiger's new signing. Ah, yes, I did see that. You messaged it. Tiger's signed Vladimir Luka from the Sheffield Scimitars. Because it's not pronounced Scimitars. It's Scimitars. Uh, he played for the Cyril two years ago, appeared for the Nottingham Lions in the streaming series. He's been playing okay for the Scimitars this year. It's an interesting one, but I think it's more of a case of signing an import that's already available in the country. Yeah. He's obviously did it with Phil Edgar, and then he picked up an injury, and now the Tigers signed Vladimir Luka. He can score at this level. I would be interested to see if he could cope at the national level. I say this knowing full well that Alice Padalek is currently tearing the league up at 306 or whatever his age is this year now. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty good in Sheffield, for memory. Um, 39, he's not young, but that's not necessarily a um, barrier, you know? I mean, we know that guys, can, if, if you're good enough, then age is, is, is kind of irrelevant at times but yeah I mean it gives a bit of extra depth for Telford um, a bit, bit, bit more experience in an already fairly experienced side so and I can't believe you know he's eating up a huge chunk of budget there either so yeah you know if he's available why not and one would potentially assume he's in the lineup for Saturday you would have to yeah. uh, 23 points in 13 games for the Scimitars because thankfully Tom Talking gave me enough time to look it up <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Garfield for the Scimitar Zone North one they signed two imports at the start of the year and they've both left for other places now <laughs> Vladimir Lucas both for the Tigers Stanislav Lashek is now the Chumps of Chieftains and that's a brilliant segue to my next point which is the monthly Who Got Slapped update most people won't have seen this South 1 Chumps of Chieftains 19 MK Thunder nil. Owie um there were existential circumstances to this one. The Thunder were icing a majority under-18 team. They had a line of Harrison Good, Connor Good, and Sam Prosser, and the rest of it was kids. And Chelmsford were so very, very annoyed about losing to the Solent Devils on Saturday night that they decided MK had to die. <laughs> um, I Tom, obviously, you were on... The, the coach home and I messaged you saying it was 12 nil, and it just quickly became a back and forth between the two of us going 13, 14, 15, no, 17. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. Just want, just on game sheet quick, 19 goals on 67 shots, 8.9 for Cameron Bartlett, 8.9 for Grant Bartlett, 8.9 for Stan Lashek, and 7 points for James Pentecost and James Ailing. Four chieftains got hat-tricks. I mean, there are big, there are kind of bigger issues that we're not going to get into here about the MK Thunder and. Oh, I can. I've got, I've got to go there on Sunday. They'll ban me from the ring. Yeah, how a team can be losing sort of nineteen nil at about one level this year? It's not really what we want to be seeing in the league. But 
yeah, and as you say, we were having the back and forth. It was quite amusing because I wasn't the coach. And we did obviously have the earlier face-off in Sheffield, which meant a lot of the scores were coming in on the way back from Sheffield. And we were kind of updating the scores to a few of the guys on the bus. And yeah, it was almost like just constant. Oh, no, there's another one. It's it's 15 nil now. Oh, it's 16 nil now. And yeah, like I say, we don't want to we don't want to see too many results like that in British hockey. But yeah, it was one of those things that it was quite kind of quite amusing to keep an eye on while it was happening. But equally, you do feel for the young lads who were, you know, getting slapped around. And there is an element of you do question running the score a little bit at times. I mean. You don't think if you're six nil up after the first period, and McInnes, it was four nil after thirteen minutes, that maybe you know you take the brace off. But Chelmsford don't have like a the second team. The Warriors were in Streatham Sunday night, so they didn't have access to the juniors to play them. So they basically just had to keep running yeah. out yeah. ex-national players and just them going no goal. Um, this is a very different Thunder team from the one Wildcats fans would have seen a couple of years ago. As Tom said, there's been a, a lot of things happening behind the scenes. A lot of players moved on. Um, Lewis Clifford built the team that the Wildcats fans would have known from the time in South One. Obviously, half of that team went on to join the Lightning. Players like Jordan Laude, obviously, are now in Telford. You've got uh, the Imports, who is it? Trevor LeBlanc, I want to say, was his name. Yeah, it was, because obviously Matt's in Friends. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you kept calling him Joey every time he touched a puck when we were in MK. Be fair, so did the home fans. <laughs> um, so they've lost a lot of it. They've gone with... Uh, they sort of lost Lewis Clifford and replaced him with Antti Kavaka, who is a former Peterborough Phantoms player, who's played in the Elite League and was residing with the Coventry Blades in North 2, who then brought the North 2 team down to South 2. And this isn't meant as any disrespect to the North two division but that division isn't as good as south one in the slightest and hence why the thunder keep getting destroyed week in week out for the last two years it's not nice to see because mk has some great players they just don't want to play for some reason anymore yeah. I, I was just to quickly before we move on echo your point on north two again no disrespect to the guys i saw Kind of 10 minutes or so of North 2 hockey before the Wildcats game when we arrived at Sheffield on Sunday and you know you, you can tell those guys love hockey and go there and really enjoy it but it's a mixed standard and you have some guys who are just so much better than the others and yeah it, the game you can see why games up there get out of hand a bit at times um, but yeah and then you can tell the guys coming from down to that level a lot of them just aren't going to be good enough to play South 1 especially a South one that now has an NHL draft pick and GB internationals in it. Yes, exactly. uh, so the next bit of news that I can remember would be Saturday morning when it came out that Sheffield Steelers forward Anthony DeLuca was suspended for testing positive for a banned substance. DeLuca was quick to uh, post that it wasn't a performance enhancing drug, which makes it sound recreational Uh, that one hasn't been seen for a while I can think of one name off the top of my head Uh, and he wasn't even banned for taking it at the time Um, yeah thoughts on DeLuca and this suspension that we're going to see at some point I'd imagine my thoughts Um, 
if you would have put a list on the things that Sheffield Steelers did not need going into this weekend's games, somehow that wouldn't have been top, but it should have been. Like the Steelers, for those that may not be following the uh, the Elite League much at the moment, are, I believe, currently top of the Elite League. I'm going to kind of look at you both and say that they're yes. not, not yeah, agreeing. Yeah. I believe they went top beating Guildford yeah. on Sunday. I yeah, think I saw something I about thought. that. But let's be fair to them and credit to Aaron Fox and the way he's got his team playing to be top of the Elite League. They're a few players short right now. And like we've touched on with the, the National League, Getting imports in can be difficult. The Elite League have roster limits and roster rules and change rules and all the rules. You don't need one of your guys to get suspended for that. You don't need that at no. the times, let alone when you're five or six imports down. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't know what's happened. We can't really say much because it's going through all of the processes now, and I'm sure the information on any suspensions or whatever will come in due course. But yeah, it's not an ideal time for Sheffield. It's never an ideal time, but it certainly is today. It's really not an ideal time for Sheffield to be losing a key part of their roster. And yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not a great look for British hockey. It has to be said, you know. Um, um, but. Obviously, what 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 what's happened will come out in the fullness of time. These things do. Um, we can just only wait for formal confirmation of what what was going on and what any whether there's going to be a suspension. What 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 happens there? But yeah, not great timing for Sheffield. As you say, there were a few guys down. Um, they've been yeah, they've been up against it. They were in, obviously had their Continental Cup. Um, series a couple of weeks ago where they were, again they were short benched and they kind of ran out of steam in the last game and failed to qualify so to then go and come home and lose another player um, something like that is just not great and I'm sure there's plenty of Steelers fans out there who feel a bit let down by the situation and whatever ha- whatever has happened has happened and yeah yeah not ideal and as we say as we say we can change that number on the board well, as we go from one suspension, we'll go overseas for a different kind of suspension. Uh, Ralph Sassenis, I've done the most disgusting thing in hockey this year. Brendan Lemieux, hold my beer. Brendan Lemieux has been suspended for biting Brady Kachuk in the Los Angeles Kings versus Ottawa Senators game. I'm going to ask this question, Pencil because I don't know if you've seen it already. Do you know how many games he was banned for, or would you like to guess? I know. I, saw I actually don't know. Ben, would you like to guess how many games Brendan Lemieux was banned for for biting Brady Kachuk twice? Uh, I'm going to go six. I feel like it's less than it probably should have been. I'm going to say six. You're close. Brendan Lemieux was banned for five games for biting Brady Kachuk twice. Um... In a weird one, if you see, there's clips going around of the, again, fight in air quotes, where Lemieux kind of throws Kachuk to the ground. Kachuk kind of gets his hand up towards Lemieux's face to push him off. And as he does, Lemieux bites him. And then deliberately a second time brings Kachuk's hand towards him so he can do it again. I think five's lenient. Um, The NHL clearly doesn't. He also didn't get fined for it. Interesting one I did see before I wrote it down earlier. 
Brendan Lemieux and his dad, Claude Lemieux, are the first father and son in hockey history to be banned for biting. <laughs> Just thought there was a random one. Claude Lemieux, well-known avalanche player, I believe, when he did it as well. There's really, really Shame on you. stat for everything. Yeah, it's just a random one. Um, so, yeah, the British Hockey Whiteboard goes back to zero because, yeah. And this is the point where we should probably take it down to minus points. As it came out yesterday that the entire board of the Scottish Ice Hockey Federation resigned. Um, I'm not smart enough to deal with that kind of thing. So this is where I usually look at Tom for kind of these kind of things because he's, you know, the uni degree out of the three of us. Um, this doesn't seem a very good thing. I believe the press release was something along the lines of they couldn't agree the, the direction they wanted to take Scottish ice hockey in. So the direction they decided was, ah, let somebody else do it, we're out. Yeah, so I mean, so I'm just finding the quote now. But yeah, it, it doesn't sound we've had there's been issues obviously with the Scottish ice hockey um already this year, you know, the fairly infamous press release aimed at Ice Hockey UK about with the um leaked emails from the chairman of Ice Hockey UK regarding you know the, the importance of Scottish hockey, for example. So there's already been some issues, but the quote was the board members are incredibly frustrated by the opportunities presented by becoming a standalone national gov- governing body have not come to fruition. This has created a landscape where Scottish ice hockey is unable to function correctly. On that basis, the board members feel they have no other option than to step aside to allow others to take up the reins. So Anson Professor noted that the chair, David Hand, had already announced that he was resigning at the um, next, next AGM. Um, that was already... Yeah, already in the wheels in motion, so they were going to have a new chair, but now it appears they're going to need an entire new board. Ice Hockey UK have put out a press release regarding this. I haven't really had a chance to read it because it's quite a long one, but it basically lays out a three-step recovery plan for hockey in Scotland and Northern Ireland due to the fact there is currently no one actually steering the ship, so Ice Hockey UK are kind of having to stand in and do it for them. It's basically the the, the way they put it, um, Ice Hockey UK remains the recognised national governing body for the sport in Scotland and Northern Ireland, having not been able to conclude the legal proceedings and administrative proceedings to create a separate governing body. And now I guess that proceedings won't be completed for a while, given the board members of their said separate governing body have resigned. So yeah, really, it's just a very confusing, messy situation, and it's not great for Scotland. And I believe, I could be wrong here, um, I believe organised hockey in Scotland hasn't really got underway yet this year because of this mess and the fact there is no governing body to organise leagues and stuff. I think they got underway this weekend. Just only just got the, S- the, the SNL just started, I believe. Yeah, but so it's, it's not particularly good luck when you have your first weekend and then 48 hours later, everybody wins. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I guess that way want to keep an eye on. But yeah, it, the the point that IHUK have made is that in the interim they're legally bound to be in charge in Scotland. So therefore they are. 
I want, I want, yeah, I, w- I want to say things, but it's going to end up getting me cancelled. I know, but this one, <laughs> ah, he'll tell it. Um, I think there's some. Obviously, there's clearly something going on with IHUK, Scottish Ice Hockey, EIHA, and just everything in between. It's been a mess for at least two years where it's been public knowledge of things going on behind the scenes. There was obviously the failed merger attempt between the boards with um, Lord Clifton Rottersley, who's now chairman. Is it, He's chairman of the IHA. Yeah, the IHA, yeah. He is chairman because he tried to take over as the EIHA with Bobby Reagan. I probably got the name Paul wrong Reagan. there. Paul, Paul, Paul Reagan. Reagan. So they Paul. The, yeah, they, they both attempted to get onto the EIHA board at the AGM. They weren't voted onto the board. Um, and yeah, they have obviously since taken over as chair of HUK, there's now a new board running into the ship in the EIHA with only a couple of the previous board members remaining on. There's obviously going to be an entirely new board in Scotland. Yeah, it's a lot of there's a lot of new rooms in and a lot of people, I guess, trying I to settle into positions. And yeah, it's not necessarily an ideal situation to have that much change in such a short period. And certainly in a period like we're in at the moment where we're coming out of a pandemic and we've missed we've already lost the season and yeah the last thing you want is complete instability which is exactly what we've got the thing is well, this is mainly just me venting here as always but with the eoh in particular everything in terms of behind the scenes in terms of like fixtures and cup competitions just seems to be a mess this year you've had Everything in the National League seems to have gone off fine. Everything there has worked perfectly well, apart from, you know, the annoying fact of having the second leg of a cup final two days before Christmas. Why? (laughs) Can't go to that. I'm not paying for a hotel in Leeds on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Um, But below that, you've got... So the South 2 Cup is a mess because they split them into groups it's like geographically to make it a bit simpler so you played them and the idea was that the press release first off said you played the first game between those teams counted as a cup game but they've apparently changed that halfway through the season without telling anybody and now both games count so nobody knows because I make it that the cup should have been the, the cup group stage should have finished Sunday just gone but they're now waiting on the second legs of games between these teams, which now go into January, February time. So no one knows what's going on. You've got a game between the Bristol Pitbulls and the Solent Devils in South One, which should have been the cup game, just has vanished. Uh, it's been awarded as nil-nil, as far as I'm aware. No points for anybody. Uh, the same has happened in South Two, again, between Bristol and Solent, because the rink wasn't ready in time. You've had... Uh, <sighs> The discipline section, that's non, that was non-existent for the first month and a half of the season. It popped up for something, did a mass update, and then vanished again. I mean, was it, it was the Invicta Mustang game, wasn't it? I think everyone saw the video of the guy leaping off the bench from the penalty box to skate on the ice, to blindside a guy, and everyone went, oh, this is disgusting, he should be banned. Nothing happened. Mm. Um, there's been a few like that this year, and there's something going on that they're just not organized in doing anything anything below the the national league has basically been their baby this year everything is going brilliantly and i think that's because it's mainly been organized by the owners because there was the website set up which we've seen everything on there that's all working really well and then everything just sort of below that has been 
you know, it's kids in the corner with crayons and hoping someone will tell them what to do. I was going to say, in, in credit to the uh, the National League on this one, I know you're not keen on it being played two days before Christmas, but at least the Autumn Cup final is going to be played A, near yes. autumn, and B, in the same year as it started, <laughs> unlike in 2018 when we won it and we played it in March. Yeah, it was close to autumn. But no, that that it's funny, but it just feels like everything below the National League this year has just been, eh, do what you want. And yeah, it's just, it's frustrating because you kind of, the time when you're trying to get more people invested in hockey, and obviously this podcast, we're not, we're not preaching, we're preaching to the converted here. We're preaching to hockey fans as it were. But you're trying to bring a mate along who's never been and you should say like, oh, why should I go watch hockey? Well, because we've got this cup final, or we might, or we might not. But oh, and this guy, he should have been banned because he decapitated someone. But um, yeah, he's he's kind of not as well. He was allowed back for good behaviour, and it just feels a mess right now. It feels like something that could easily be fixed as well, and it just isn't. There's been no, uh, there's been a real lack of any kind of comment from them as well. Anyone remember the podcast they did? I was on it. That disappeared as well. Uh, it's. I know it's obviously it's all run by volunteers, and again, me and Ben, we volunteer for our clubs. We know what that's like. We do all those things, and you just feel like if you need more people on to help, ask. And it just feels so closed off that if me and Ben, for example, and Tom were to say, "Here, let us do this," we'd be told to go away. Yeah, I mean, again, I can't go. I. I... I don't think any of us could sit here and go too deep into the, um, t- you know, the toing and throwing of the EIHA or IHUK or, or wherever. Um, but um, because obviously we don't, we don't work in that, in that, in those organisations, but it does feel like communication has been a long-standing bugbear of these organisations and it's just getting, not getting better. I do think that potentially the turnover of people hasn't helped the organisation of competitions and stuff. That's, you know, not great. But yeah, I do think communication has always been a huge issue, particularly with the EIHA. Um, we've always said, you know, people have always said the, the, the comms on discipline have always been a weird one. Like we had, we had a, we had it a couple of, a few years ago where there were weekly press releases on discipline. And it was great. And they sort of stopped and never came it back. It kind of and became now, a Friday thing, didn't it? It was the yeah. Friday lunchtime thing was, here's the discipline update. Yeah. Brilliant. I watched a man spit at a referee and another player. He got nothing. Yeah, like, and now it's not even so much people players are getting nothing. It's the fact that you're lucky if the website gets updated. Like, we know with suspensions, we know, well, we know that, for example, Emil Spet got a suspension earlier this year. Only actually came on the discipline website about three eight, three weeks after the one game suspension was served. So we all knew we'd served a one game suspension, but it was not officially updated on there. But you know, it's what it is. Um, hopefully, the one I was going to throw out but... was the Thomas Malasinski one. The Malasinski being spelled yeah, wrong. Yes, well, that's yeah. brilliant. By all accounts, he was over six games, and in game six, I believe the website was updated to say, "Nah, two minute minor." And it made us look like the bad guys because yeah, so he, he played. And... And, oh no! Did you? Did, did you also not see they spelt his name wrong as well? I did. Oh, did they? I didn't spot that. I did. Yeah, it's, Thomas is spelt the same way that you are, Tom. Oh, so you can claim to be a distant cousin, I guess, now. <laughs> but, yeah, no. So, oh, well, that's the second week in a row where one of us has, you know, woken up, joined the, woken up in the morning and said, right, I'm going on the podcast this evening and I'm going to choose violence. 
Sony I'm scared for myself next week. Because it's, it's your turn. I'm scared Think for your topic, Ben. Think no, of your topic. No point, no point weekend, and Ben's going to be spitting feathers. It's going to be brilliant. And I believe, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but I believe the way the schedule is working out, I'm going to be the only one of the three of us in Peterborough on Sunday. So this is also adding up to be a uh, something. I'll be nearby. You can come say hello. Yeah, that's true. You're only in Milton Keynes. We'll be driving through at some point, I'm sure. Um, I'll wave. Yeah, feel free. It's the time of week again. Take a deep breath. Thumb? The horror show. Are we ready for it? Let's do this. So on the 4th of December this Saturday, the Swindon Wildcats taking on the Telford Tigers at the Lynn Centre. 6.30 face-off. Streams available on the Cats website. Tickets available on the Cats website. Hang around after the game. Player of the month is being decided. Wonder who's going to win that one. Um, Surely then, by now we should just call it the Emil Speck Player of the Month Award. It is, it is going that way. It is, it is going that way and Let's be honest, none of us would be surprised if that is the way this one goes again, particularly having scored a hat-trick and a five-point game the week the votes are opening. And then on Sunday, as Ben has just mentioned, um, heading off to Peterborough to take on the Phantoms, 5.30 face-off at Planet Ice Peterborough. Again, there are streaming tickets available for those of us who aren't going, including myself this week, and tickets are available usually on the door, but also on the Planet Ice website for those who want to pre-book the Phantoms website, all of the websites. All of the websites. Yeah. All of the websites. I'm yeah, that was that wasn't bad to be fair. And I am thrilled to be making a long trip back to Peterborough for the first time in feels like years, because it has been all by yourself. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> it's I feel like I feel like it's um, slightly concerning that wasn't Peterborough the last game we played before COVID and we're going there as the Omnicom variant arrives in the UK. Well, he was doing so well and then he's named the wrong variant. He's just making up words now. It's been downgraded. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. Whatever it's called. Look, Um, any fan of Futurama would get this. Yeah, they would. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, No, yeah, Tom... Thanks for that. I'm sure Thank we'll be fine. you very Touch. much. We've, I think the, I think we'll be fine. We will be fine. We're not playing the Knights at home on Saturday, so it's going to be fine. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that brings us pretty much to the end of episode 33, unless either of you got anything else to add. I think we've covered me. everything in the news. I'm sure there's possibly something we missed, but come on, give us a bit of slack. There was everything else going wrong. So, yeah. Yeah, for some reason ice hockey also woke up this week and chose violence <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah quite literally um, Tom, Joe thank you both very much for your time and we will see you all for episode 34 <laughs>